All right. Kids are headed out. We are getting ready to get into it. So, some of you might not know, uh, my name is Pastor Stephen. I'm the children's and youth pastor here at Calvary. And um, I'm just going to out it and lay it all right here, right now. This is going to be a very emotional morning. Didn't even make it through the word emotional. I was a former missionary. To get to be part of ordaining a, a man and his family to go out, aside from baptizing your children, I cannot imagine a point to be more proud of. I get to ordain one of my best friends. into a ministry filled with joy, with suffering, with loneliness, but above all things, with a commissioning towards who Christ is and what we're called to do. I will likely hit every range of emotional possible this morning. And you know, there have been points in my life where I've said, Lord, why is it I only get tears in front of people? <laughs> Don't do it at home. I'll go toe-to-toe with you and throw blows at home. But I realized it wasn't in front of people. It was beside a brotherhood of people. A brotherhood of Christ followers drives me to my deepest emotion. And it's difficult. I asked Pastor Stewart if I could preach this morning, because apparently I'm an absolute glutton for punishment. <laughs> you know, you learn that about yourself as you get older, I'm nearing 40. I'm realizing that a little bit more now than I did maybe five years ago. I've been fortunate in my life to preach hundreds of sermons, and this one I was terrified for today. But it's a great joy to be a part of that. Now, I'm gonna, I like to let you know what's going on. I'm probably going to be done what seems to be early because we're going to bring the Pleasners up and pray over them. Don't let that weird you out because if you're like me, you go, wait a minute, we're getting lunch early. You're not, okay? I'm warning you, you're not. So just hang in there with me. And, uh, and so today we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, I can barely read the scripture without crying. So again, it's this whole glutton for punishment thing that we're just operating on as a theme this morning. Uh, so if you flip in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6, and I'm going to tell you the question that is the recurring question through the morning. You will be forced to answer this question. And the question is, how have you responded when you heard the voice of God? And if you say, well, I haven't heard the voice of God, it's written through here. Just read this, and you will find that voice. So how have you responded when you heard the voice of God. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each having six wings. With two he covered their face, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one said to the other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook. And at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. 
And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having a live coal in his hand that he had taken from the, with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am. Send me. Let's pray. Father, may we be so bold to respond. Here I am. Send me. May our iniquity be taken away, as we know you've paid that price. But we must yield to what we are called to be through you. Lord, if, we have, if there's anyone that has not yielded their spirit to you, today is that day. The response to the yielding is, here I am, Lord. Send me. Prepare our hearts for your scriptures. Prepare our hearts to reflect your holiness in all things. And we pray this in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. This is probably my favorite. I have a favorite verse. Everyone's got a favorite verse. But my favorite little section of scripture here. It's so much packed into these eight or nine verses that are right there. And Isaiah can be a hard book to read. Right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of moving parts in Isaiah. I love it. It is truly, it, it's in a, well, it's in the top rankings of books for me. And, and here we see something unique starting off that Isaiah's ministry has already begun. We've got five chapters before this. And this isn't an issue of a chronological mismatch. It, this didn't accidentally end up at chapter 6 and should have been at chapter 1. No, we, we see it placed here on purpose. I'm not going to go into a summary of the first five chapters. I would encourage you to go home and read them and see what God has been building all the way up until this vision. What's amazing about this, what I love, because I like the geography, I like a timeline, I like to know where we fit at when the scriptures are written. And Isaiah tells us right in the beginning, in the year that King Uzziah died, that doesn't mean... A month after he died, it could be 11 months after he died. But in that time frame, this is when Isaiah is going to receive this vision. Now, it, th this is unique because this isn't a dream. Okay, have y'all, do, do does anyone have reoccurring dreams? Just out of curiosity. Some of y'all, yeah. I, I have a, several reoccurring dreams. I would tell you them, but I don't remember them right now. Uh, I'm sure it'll come to me at some point. But... This isn't that. This isn't a, I fell asleep, I woke up, I had this experience with God. In today's world, we see a lot of popular literature about having a dream and what that may or may not have meant. And it doesn't really hold a lot of weight. What we do know is if it agrees with this, then it can be true. And if it disagrees with this, it most certainly is not. This is a vision. This is a moment in time where Isaiah sees something as he's conscious. It's important. I've never had a vision. Anybody in here had a vision that they want to stick their hand up and admit to? Didn't think so. I was curious. We were going to talk afterwards because I had questions. But we're not a big vision people over here in the U.S., probably particularly not in Virginia. Virginia. 
I've had things impressed upon my heart that I couldn't explain, but not a vision as we see here. So in this vision, Isaiah, the year that Uzziah dies, Isaiah sees the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up. And he only sees the train of the robe of God. I mean, he he sees other things. But has this ever struck you that of all the things he could have talked about seeing, he talks about, your version may say, the hem of his robe or the train of his robe. I have rolled that through my head so many times. Because if, if I had a vision, you know, this is just me not having a vision, Stephen sitting up here, standing up here, and I saw the king, the Lord, well, I might be a little bit more compelled to describe more than the garment that literally drags the ground behind him. But not Isaiah. And we're going to come back to that. We're going to kind of read through this and and, and go back and forth. Above him stood the seraphim. I don't know how many like to picture the little chubby baby with angels, yeah, with wings. That's an angel. This would be the creepiest chubby baby on the face of the planet. Because it's got six wings and it's just there hanging out yelling. Because it's going to cry out, holy, holy, holy. But we see these angelic beings that their sole job is to be before the king and to cry out, holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the foundations of the earth shook. I know I'm rereading this. I have a desire for you this morning. I have a desire for you to go home today and read this with the emotion of which Isaiah experienced it. Like everything in me wants to do some yelling and crying out. I'm probably not going to do it. I'm not guaranteeing it, but I'm probably not going to. This is so much weight that in this vision, Isaiah, in a vision, Isaiah observes the thresholds of the kingdom shaking at the sound of the voice of the Holy One. What do you do? When you've come that close to Christ, that close to the king, that the mere sound of his voice shakes the ground of which you stand on. You cry out, woe is me. Woe is me for I am lost. We're going to stop there and we're going to kind of back up. I don't know what your experiences are with Christ this morning. It's Pastor Stewart last week asked how many people had been a Christian less than a year. I loved that question. Was I the only one that was embarrassed at the answer? We, we didn't have anyone raise their hand that they had been a Christian less than a year sitting in our congregation. Maybe, maybe someone just didn't raise their hand. Maybe they're not here. What I do see here in this scripture is when you come so close to who God is, you have but no choice to cry out, woe is me. Have you ever cried that out? Like, I'm really curious. Be bold. Throw a hand up. Have you ever cried it out? Have you ever gone and ugly cried in your yard? If you haven't, go do it. I mean, like, Why is it we are supposed to be more emotionally present in this room than any other room in the whole world, and yet we will barely stick our hands up 
and cry out, woe is me. Now, I'll admit, I'm not one to throw hands up when, when we're singing our worship songs, not because I don't want to, I just don't do it. I hope you do, and I pray, Lord, help me feel comfortable to do that. Honestly, it's because I'm such an embarrassed person of myself. I feel like people are looking at me. Nobody's looking at me. You're thinking about yourselves. Even if you saw me, you're not thinking about me. And if you're thinking about me, well, you know what? Knock yourself out. That's great. Go for it. I'm thinking about me too. We have that in common. <laughs> but we, we come in and we're supposed to be able to look at each other and go, we are broken people together. And I am scared because I am not worthy. I am broken on my best day. I got a C minus on my best day. And yet we come in. Most of us completely remove emotion from Scripture. We completely remove the gravity of who God is as we sit near each other. Do do y'all remember? Maybe y'all did this. I don't know. I grew up in a church that every Sunday it was part of the worship service to stand up and shake each other's hands. Did y'all ever do that? Boy, COVID scared everybody out of that. I wanted to ask y'all this morning to just reach over and grab somebody's hand beside you and pray with them. That's coming. I'll ask you to do that later. I'm prepping you now so that you can time your bathroom visit right if you're not comfortable with it. (laughs) That's what I used to do in English class when I didn't want to read out loud in ninth grade. So I'm just giving you that opportunity right now and good on you. That's okay. But we come in and we're distant. We're distant in the one place where we are to cry out. In common, do y'all realize the one thing we all have in common is we are not worthy? Our brokenness is the one thing we have in common. I don't have 100% things in common with anybody, even the people that are my best friends in the world. Travis is one of my best friends in the world, and he likes the Beatles. I don't get it. I, I don't get it. That's, he has said to me, Stephen, the one thing I don't like about you is you don't like the Beatles. I said, that's good, because the one thing I don't like about you is you like them. You know, just not a fan. And if you are, don't come see me afterwards. You don't have a song that I haven't heard that I'm going to magically like. It's not there. Don't try. Okay? Honestly, I don't even like most bands from England. There's like two, and that's pushing it. So please don't try. Focus on a different part of what I'm talking about. Point is, the only thing we share in actual brotherhood and fellowship is our brokenness before the king. And I'm afraid that many many of us never have that cry out moment of woe is me for I am ruined. I am undone because I have seen the king. Isaiah, of course, is going to go on, just read the book of Isaiah. And he's going to do these amazing things. He's, He's one of the highest prophets in all of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And yet, he, in a vision, sees the king. And all he can describe is the train of the robe. Do you know why he can only describe the train of his robe? Watch this. I want you all to go home and do this. For those of you that are older than me, it's going to be a blast. It's going to be fun for me. When you get down and you are before a king and you look up, how much can you see? You see a robe amount of the glory of God. That's it. Boy, I'd love to see y'all stretched out this morning. Who will be bold enough to do it? Did someone say who's going to get us up? The Lord. 
a good question. I was thinking about that. I had to, I had to stretch this morning. That's all that you can see when you are so broken before the king. I want to remind you and hit and pound into you, this is a vision. And in this vision, Isaiah is down on his knees and can only take in the glory of the hem of the robe of the king. And he cries out, woe is me, I am undone. Multiple translations use that word undone or ruined or... It's, it's a variety of words because if you really study that word, and I know some of you will, and I'm excited to, for you to come and tell me about it, what you'll find out is the true depth root of that word is, I am dying. I'm dead. I've seen the Lord. I am dying. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt your iniquity so swell around you like a noose that if God were to even look at you, you would feel, I am ruined, I am undone, I am dying because the holiness of the Lord is before me and I am this. On my best day, counted as unworthy. And the king is here, high and lifted up. And I'm at the mercy, just below the throne, trying to look up and can't because only the robe can fill my vision because I am so lowly because my sin is so heavy. Have you ever struggled to get out of bed because your sin is so heavy? And if your answer is no, that sin will keep you in bed tomorrow morning, I hope, because it should. I've often used the expression of how much poison do you have to put in a well for it to be a poisoned well? The answer is one drop. One drop poisons the well. One sin has poisoned your ability to be in fellowship with God before the coming of Christ. Isaiah has cried out, Woe is me, I am dying, for I am a man of unclean lips. And this is where Isaiah starts to open up who he is and where he's going to be going forward. I am a man of a people of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. That is all of us. We all dwell among a people of unclean lips. We are people of unclean lips. There's a song that I, I love. You all will no doubt dislike it. It is by a band called Sleeping Giant. They're a Christian band. And the song's called I've Seen. And it is just Isaiah 6. It, it's, that's all it is. And as, as he's going through the lyrics, he takes like light liberties, you know, just adds in a word here and there. And, and it, after he addresses, I dwell among a people of unclean lips, he says, and if you heard my speech, you would be ashamed of me too. And I love that line. God has heard my speech. And through Christ is no longer ashamed of me because of what Christ did. But we're not there yet. We're moving in that direction. Isaiah is again broken and crying out. And the whole of the 
of the temple is filled with smoke. And after he's cried out and says, I am so lowly because of my sin, one of the seraphim flew to him, taking a live coal from the altar. This would have been the incense altar. We know it's the incense altar because the house is filled with smoke. Look at y'all, three theologians, every one of you. Go home and check that off and put it on a resume. It's filled with smoke from the incense altar. But even that coal is so representative of God's holiness that even the seraphim can't touch it with his hands. He uses the tongs and he takes that living coal from the altar and he goes over and he touches the lips of Isaiah and says, look at your Bibles, and says, This has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. This is important. That coal did not take away sin. God took away sin. God made the atonement. That living coal is a representation of the atonement that is coming through Christ. And this is so important because you'll you'll read this and people will go, well, he, he he cleansed his sins. No, he didn't cleanse his sins. Water cleanses, fire purifies. He purified the atonement in Isaiah. Do you realize right here, your sin, if you've confessed Christ, has been purified through atonement? Praise God. You need to be screaming out right now. I know it's uncomfortable. I know I get it. But your sin is purified through something you didn't even do. You did nothing but drive in a nail and your sin was not cleansed. You know, the problem with cleansing something is it can get dirty again. You were not cleansed to not be dirty again. You were purified, which cannot be removed. The moment fire touches and purifies, it is unchanging. It is permanent. It is everlasting. You have been changed. You may have struggle. You may suffer. You may hurt. But you have been purified by nothing you have done. But through everything Christ accomplished, purified, not cleansed. We baptize to represent a cleansing and we go forward praying, God, keep us white as snow. The reality is it will take about five whole minutes for you to have that dirty. But the purification through Christ is everlasting, atoning, and cannot be removed. And his guilt is taken away. And what happens the moment Isaiah has his sin atoned for permanently, purified. The Lord says, to whom shall I send? To whom will go for us? And Isaiah goes, me, I will go. You just took away my atonement. You just atoned for me seconds ago. I will go right now. I don't know anything. I'm in a vision. I don't know what's going on. All I know is I am atoned for. I am purified. And you've got a task that involves me sharing who you are. Send me. I will go. How many of us said, Lord, I'm comfortable. I'm not going anywhere. I appreciate the atonement. I look forward to seeing you one day. I'm not going anywhere. Here's the beauty of what happens next. Where is Isaiah going? To whom is he going to? He's going to his people. 
It's literally going across the street. He's going to wake up. Not wake, he's not asleep. He's going to come out of his vision and go, well, there's a dozen. And I'm going to walk right over here. And I'm going to prophesy and cry out. Going doesn't mean an ocean. It doesn't mean city blocks even. It means a willingness to keep Christ on that tongue and to take a step in a direction of sinful man. I've heard so many people tell me, you know, our downtown is liberal. Go! If it's that liberal, if if they're in a place of sin, why are you eating anywhere else? You got them. They're not going anywhere. They're literally serving you. Serve them by going. I don't know how to, if I really could just give you that and make it work, I would. But you got to feel it because you got to cry out. You have to understand to see the train of the robe is more than you deserve. To be in the presence of the king in a vision is more than you would ever deserve. And for those that have gone out, I don't simply mean as missionaries. I mean you go out of your house every day with the promise of the spirit that is in you going with Christ on your tongue. God bless you because you have gone. You're doing it. Keep doing it. I, I heard someone recently tell me, I share Christ when I can at work. I'm like, well, you should work when you can and share Christ always. I didn't say that because they didn't mean it that way. That's just what's in my head, and I'm getting better at keeping that in there. But I know what they were saying, and they were being very loving and kind the way they said it. But that is what we are called to do. Your job is to share Christ always because you have seen the King Shortly, we're going to commission the Plesners. And for those that don't know their story, I'm only going to give you a very light piece of it because it's not my story to tell. Travis is from Maine. They're going back to Maine. Some of us, some of you may view that as he's just going home. They're not going home. I'm going to explain why they're not going home. When you take on and cry out, send me, I will go. You have taken on a new mission in life. Whether it's across the street, whether it's to Maine, whether it's to California, you have taken on a new mission in life. And for those of us that sit back here, we are called to be in prayer for them. Because here's the deal. I'm going to make a bold statement. If you've not cried out, woe is me. If you've not come face to facts with only Christ can purify you, then when you see them again, they will be unrecognizable to you because they are going forth with the glory of God through the gospel to go and send and share who Jesus is. Amen. That they have taken that burden on as we all should be taking this burden. Isaiah is going to go on to ask how long Skipping down. And the answer is everlasting. That's how long we are to go. I am asking you this morning, have you responded when you heard the voice of God? Through this scripture alone, when you come face to facts with who the king is, did you cry out, woe is me, my iniquity is too strong? Or did you simply go, I'm here, Lord. 
Do you understand your brokenness? Today is the day. I'm not trying to emotionally rile you up. I got enough emotions for all of you in this room right now. I'm trying to bring you face to face with who the king is. And did you respond? Is it comfortable? No. No. It is not comfortable to say, God, send me anywhere I'll go. And for me, I'll be honest, I've had more culture shock living in Stanton than I did living in the Middle East. I don't know why. I really don't. But I have. And that's not a bad thing. My point is, if you truly have knelt before the king, if you have truly rendered your spirit, God, do anything with me. Just thank you for atoning me. You will be willing to go. But you have to be willing to ask. That's where most of us sit down and take no further steps as we do not ask, Lord, where? To what neighbor, to what community, to what state? I have a book here. It's called Scatter. I bought three of them. One of them I'm giving to the Plesners. The other two will be laying right there. There's roughly 300 people in this room. There should be two more people that God have called to go. That book is about scattering in the name of the gospel, spreading out. You feel the Lord calling you this morning to respond, to cry out, and to throw that hand up and say, send me, I'll go, then that book's for you. If next Sunday those two books are sitting there, we have a bigger problem that Pastor Stewart will address in his next sermon. So this is on you guys. Y'all get, this is kind of a pick-your-own-mystery thing for next Sunday's sermon. He didn't know I was going to do that to him. Sorry, but, you know, I feel like it's where we are. I'm asking you, congregation, I'm begging you, go be bold and cry out. If you got to go in the privacy of your own home, you want to do something really fun, text me. I'll let you in the church. You can come in here and cry out all you want to. It's fun. I do it. The acoustics are great. And it just, it, I'm not joking. It, it, it means something to stand here and cry out. I am begging you. I'm not asking you to go. I'm asking you to cry. I'm asking you to understand that much of a thread of who Christ is and how much that Christ gave you. I am asking you to empty yourself of all your wretchedness and lay it out in front of the Lord and say, Lord, purify me, atone me, and send me. Work with me. The saddest thing on the face of the planet is a Christian that lives 80 years and dies, and the only thing we can say at a funeral is, that was a good man. What a horrible legacy. That's not what you want. On your deathbed, you want countless witnesses in the audience going, he shared, he shared Christ with me. He went. He was obedient. He loved the Lord. I didn't like him, but he loved Jesus more than anything. That, even that last one is so much more acceptable than he was a good man. I'm begging you, truly, truly, cry out. Woe is me. For I am ruined because I have seen the king. Lord, what will you do with me? Now's the time to go to the bathroom if you don't want to hold hands. Let's hold hands. Let's pray. Lord, my iniquity cannot be measured. I am unworthy. 
I am unworthy to lay hands on a brother and tell them to go. I am unworthy to stand in front of a people and proclaim your word. If you truly saw me, which I know that you do, I feel you could not love me. You love me despite being able to see me. I can hide no iniquity before your holiness, and you cannot allow my iniquity before your holiness. Thank you, Christ, for stepping in, for purifying my mouth, my tongue, my heart, that I may be in harmony with you. Lord, I pray with all of my might that we be in harmony with you that we be real, that we not put on the fake Christian facade that comes in here for an hour and a half a week and talks about how great Jesus is and then goes out and lets dust build on a Bible for another week. May we never be that man or that woman. Lord, I pray you expose our hearts to you. And that you would make us men and women that have truly cried out. Men and women that will truly obey. Men and women that are heaven's weapons against wickedness. Bless us that we may glorify you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Andy's going to come up and we're going to sing a song. I have decided to follow Jesus. I want you to come up and pray. If you've decided to follow Jesus, I want you to come up and pray. If you've decided to cry out, woe is me. I want you to come up and pray if your hands in the air saying, I'll go. It's not a pressure thing. This is a you and God thing. And if none of you come up, that's fine. This is between you and the Lord. You have to reckon with that, not me. But just stand up and let's cry out. I have decided to follow Jesus.